0: qualifying, championships, and different tire types, we're taking it back to basics with F1 for beginners. So get ready, because you've been summoned to the steward's office. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the steward's office. I'm Syra, and today we are gonna be having a chat about the basics of Formula One. Now, when I started watching Formula One, There was a whole host of information that I both needed and wanted to know, and I thought I'd just sort of bundle up the basics of Formula 1 in an easy-to-watch episode for people who might be new to the sport this season, or have watched the sport and just want a refresher. There has just been a massive growth in Formula 1, meaning that we have a whole new audience coming in and watching it between DTS and the general advertisement that Formula 1 has in the world now, so it might be a good idea just to go over the very basics of Formula 1. So, let's dive into it. We are going to start right from the top we are in the 2024 Formula One season. Now Formula One started back in 1950 which means that we are going into the 74th year of Formula One racing which feels insane when you think of it like that. It's crazy when you see how some of the cars looked back in the 1950s to now how much they've modernized and how up-to-date the technology is now. That does mean, though, that next year is the 75th anniversary of Formula 1. And I'm going to be super interested and excited to see what sort of things that F1, the FA, and the teams are doing to commemorate and sort of just enjoy their 75th year. Now, a Formula 1 season will span over one year traditionally. So unlike in football and rugby and other sports where you might hear about the 24-25 season, Formula One traditionally takes place over just one year, so we tend to start at the end of February, beginning of March, and then we finish around October, November, December time, and it will depend on the number of races and how spread out the calendar is. More recently, we do tend to finish a season at the end of November and the beginning of December because of the number of races. For a season to be considered a World Championship season, where the drivers can fight for a World Championship and the teams can fight for a World Championship, Formula One has to race eight grand prix now they have to have a minimum of eight they can be more but there can be no less to be a world championship this year however we are definitely definitely doing more than eight we are going to 24 races this year that is a record amount of races it's the most amount of races we've seen in formula one and we are going to a whole host of different countries for it places like australia brazil Italy, Hungary, Azerbaijan, Texas. We are going to a lot of different places, China, Japan, a lot of different places around the world to finish and complete a Formula One World Championship. Now a race in Formula One tends to be called a Grand Prix so we have something called a Grand Prix weekend or a race weekend and a Grand Prix weekend is traditionally made up of three days and that tends to go over a Friday, Saturday and a Sunday. And what tends to happen on a normal F1 weekend is that we have three practice sessions and Two of them will take place on a Friday, one in the morning and then one in the afternoon. The third practice session tends to take place on a Saturday morning and then we have qualifying which sets the grid on a Saturday afternoon and then the big main event, the Grand Prix, takes place on a Sunday. And the race normally either takes place in the afternoon or the evening on a Sunday depending on whether or not we have a night race. And I will go into what all of those things mean. What is practice, qualifying and the race. But that's on a normal Grand Prix weekend. For six races this year, we are not going to a normal Grand Prix weekend. We are having a sprint weekend. And that does alter things a little bit for us. So on a Friday, we'll only have one practice session for the entire weekend. We reduce it down to three all the way to one. So that'll happen on a Friday morning. On a Friday afternoon... That is when qualifying for the race takes place. On a Saturday in the morning, we have Sprint shoot-up. On a Saturday afternoon, it's the Sprint Race. And then on the Sunday, as usual, we have the Grand Prix. But what do all of these sessions mean? Let's dive into it, right? So we start off with practice sessions. And a practice session is also known as a free practice session or FP1, 2 and 3. Each practice session is an hour long and drivers can go out as much or as little as they want to or as the teams want them to. But unless there tends to be a problem with the driver's car, you will see them out there for the majority of that hour. It gives the drivers and the teams a chance to collect a lot of data when the car is on track to understand how the tyres are reacting, how the car is reacting and how the drivers feel about the track, especially if it's a new one that they haven't been to before. Now each circuit does have different characteristics and this is why it's important for the teams to gather as much data as they can in the practice sessions they want to try and understand if the car needs more downfalls how quick it is how slow it is all those sort of things so the more the drives are out there the better their predictions for the race and qualifying will be and they can hone in that car and the car setup because there are things that they can change on a Formula 1 car. Then we go into qualifying. Now this sets the grid for the race on Sunday so we know how all the drivers are going to be lining up. Now this is split into three segments, Q1, Q2 and Q3 and the drivers will go out there to set as quick a lap time as they can. Now the drivers can once again go and set as many laps as they want to But you normally need a fresh set of tyres to really get a quick lap in or as fresh as possible. So drivers don't really want to go through that many tyres on a weekend because they're only given a certain amount. So what you'll normally see during each session, so Q1, Q2, Q3, are most drivers doing two fast laps. In some cases we might see three depending on whether or not those fast laps have gone well for the drivers but normally I would say we see two fast laps. Now each of these segments are timed. In Q1 they get 18 minutes, in Q2 they get 15 minutes and then in Q3 they get 12 minutes. After Q1 the slowest five are knocked out leaving us with 15 drivers in Q2. After Q2 another five drivers are knocked out and that leaves us with 10 drivers in Q3 who are all fighting for pole position and whoever gets pole position gets to start in first place on the race and that's obviously where every driver wants to start. Now in qualifying drivers have a free choice of what tyres they want to use. They can use any tyre that is available to them and 99.9% of the time you will see drivers using the soft tyres because they are the quickest tyres available to them. Then moving into the actual Grand Prix. Now this is the main showpiece. This is where the points are given out. This is where you'll really see the grandstands fill out on a race weekend. A Grand Prix doesn't have a set number of laps. It has a set distance the distance has to be around 300 kilometers for every single grand prix but the number of laps changes because a circuit can be different lengths they're designed differently so some are longer than others some are shorter than others And the number of laps are calculated on however many laps it'll take to get them to 300 kilometres. Now, there are three tyre compounds that a driver can use during the race, and we'll talk about the tyres a little bit later, but drivers do have to use two of the three compounds that are available to them. They can't just pick their favourite compound and use that for the entire race. They do have to change their tyres, which means them coming in for a pit stop to change to a different set of tyres. Pit stops are usually really, really quick, stationary time where they're actually changing the tyres, we're locking up around two seconds or even below that for a really good pit stop but in Formula One we don't do refueling not anymore it has been years since we've done refueling mainly because of safety measures so when a driver has fuel on board at the start of the race that fuel has to last them the full entire race so sometimes you will see drivers having to slow down a little bit to save on fuel now races usually last between an hour and 30 minutes to two hours and that does depend on if we get any accidents or incidents or if we have any red flags which means that a race has to stop while things are repaired a car's taken off track and the drivers go back to the pit lane before the race can restart again if there are other incidents that aren't major we can get something called a safety car or a virtual safety car and a safety car normally has all the cars bunch up again so it doesn't matter if you were three seconds behind your competitor before A safety car will mean that you are right at the back of them by the time the race starts again. With a virtual safety car, that's just a sign that comes up on the driver's dashboard telling them to get, I think it's 30% lower than what the speed they were doing. This doesn't bunch up the field. It sort of keeps everything steady. There's no overtaking. All the gaps remain the same. And a virtual safety car, a safety car, and a red flag will just depend on how bad the damage is to the barriers, how long it might take for a car to get off track, and if anyone is also injured. So that does play a part in how long a race might end up taking. The top 10 in a Grand Prix are awarded points. So P1, the person that crosses the finish line first, is given 25 points, and then P10 is only given one point. There is an additional point that is given out to anyone in the top 10 who manages to get the fastest lap in the entire grand prix if you're outside of the top 10 there is absolutely no point given out at all moving into the sprint sessions though so we have something called a sprint shooter which is the same sort of thing as qualifying only this sets the grid for the sprint race later on in the day now this is really really similar to how qualifying is laid out in that we have three segments but there are some key differences in a sprint shooter we have those three segments but in the first and second segments the drivers have to use medium tyres. They can't pick whatever tyres they want here. So they are using medium tyres. It's only in that very last segment that they are then allowed to use the soft tyres, which are the quickest tyres. The time is also shortened a lot compared to qualifying. So in the first session they get 12 minutes and then it goes down to 10 and then it goes down to 8. For elimination works in the exact same way. By the time we get to the very last session in Sprint Shootout, there are only 10 drivers left. Moving into the Sprint Race then, this is a third of the distance of the actual race. So they're only racing for 100 kilometers. And unlike a Grand Prix, it's not the top 10 that get given out points, it's the top 8. So we go from 8 points for P1, going down in increments of 1 to 1.4 P eight. There is also no point given out for a faster lap. There are fewer points given during a sprint race, but there are tight battles up and down the field for the entire year. So those little points do add up to be a lot. So the drivers are still very competitive. Now that goes through all of the sessions that we have during a race weekend, whether it's a normal Grand Prix weekend or whether we have the sprint races added in. But who the heck is competing in these races? Well, in Formula One, currently we have 10 teams in total and each team fields two drivers, meaning that we have 20 drivers on the grid. Now, there is talk that we will get another team into Formula 1, but we've got nothing confirmed on that. Yeah, Andretti is the main bid right now to become an 11th team, but there's been no real news on that lately. But here are the 10 teams that we have and their drivers. Now, first up is Red Bull Racing, who are our current Constructors champions. And they have Max Verstappen in their car, who is a three-time world champion with three consecutive titles. He's also our most recent world champion. He's been part of the Red Bull family for quite a while now. Their other driver then is Sergio Perez, who is a Mexican driver and a Grand Prix winner and is going into the last year of his contract with Red Bull. We then have Mercedes, who have a very interesting history in F1. They were in F1 around 1954 and 1955, ended up coming out of Formula One, but continued to supply engines to different teams and then they made a proper comeback as a team in 2013 and from 2014 to about 2020 they went through a massive massive period of dominance they currently have eight world constructors titles with their last one being won in 2021 their current driver lineup looks like this lewis hamilton who is a seven-time world champion a history maker in the sport with the most amount of wins ever in Formula One and the most amount of pole positions. Their other driver is George Russell. Now he is a much younger driver. He was in Williams before moving to Mercedes and is a part of the Mercedes Junior Academy. For quite a while while he worked his way up to the main mercedes seat. now that is a full british lineup in the mercedes team looking at ferrari then now this is the most historic team in formula one in my opinion and i would also agree when people say it's the most iconic team in formula one because everyone thinks about a red car when they think of racing now ferrari are the only team who have been a part of formula one since it began which is why it's so iconic in formula one they have a record six. Dean constructs his titles with them. And there is just so much history surrounding them. They are the team that a lot of drivers want to be a part of because they want to be a part of the history that Ferrari have. And of course, the driver that is most associated with Ferrari is, of course, Michael Schumacher, who is a seven-time world champion. Now, looking at their current drivers, though, they have Charles Leclerc, who is part of the Ferrari Driver Academy and then eventually became a Ferrari full-time driver. And they also have Carlos Sainz, who was actually a Red Bull driver in Toro Rosso for a little while came into ferrari and both are very very good drivers and grand prix winners Charles clare is definitely known for his qualifying pace as well moving on to mclaren and this is also known as team papaya because they had that beautiful bright orange color that we associate with them now, they are also a team that has a very long history in Formula One and are tied with Mercedes for the team with the third most amount of championships, with eight of them. And they have housed some absolutely amazing, magnificent drivers such as Senna, Prost, Hakkinen, Lauda, Hamilton, Alonso. They are a team that have some amazing drivers in their history. Their current driver lineup, though, is quite young i think it's the youngest driver lineup we have on the grid with lando norris and oscar piastri now lando norris has been a promising young talent for a number of years and a lot of people have their hopes pinned on him to win a championship very soon and oscar piastri is in his second year in formula one but was the most promising rookie last year and has a very very exciting future ahead of him and then we move on to aston martin and they are a newer team on the grid, and I'm putting that in inverted commas because they are a team that's basically renamed themselves a couple of times over the past few years. They made amazing strides in 2023, or at least the beginning half of it, where they looked more competitive. Currently in their driver lineup, they have two time world champion Fernando Alonso, who is an incredible driver to watch racing and also Lance Stroll who is a Canadian driver then we move on to our French team Alpine who were formerly Renault now when they were Renault they had two world championships and currently they're just struggling to find form I can't lie to you guys there are a French team within all French lineup in Esteban Ocon who's been with them for quite a number of years now and then Pierre Gasly who only moved to the team last year. Both drivers are Grand Prix winners and have a lot of promise. Our seventh team is then Williams and this is another team that has so so much history. They are actually the team with the second most amount of championships with nine of them but admittedly they've not had a great couple of years and they've become more of a back market team recently signs are looking positive for them though with 2023 a much much better season their drivers are currently Alex Albon who is a Thai British driver and has done absolutely phenomenal work in Formula One since he came back and joined Williams again he did have a year out after Red Bull dropped him and their second driver is then Logan Sargent our only American driver on the grid and like Oscar Piastri He's in his second year in Formula 1 in 2024. AlphaTauri is up next and they're an interesting one because they are the Red Bull sister team. Now, Red Bull actually own this team. It is part of their brand. Now, what tends to happen with AlphaTauri is that this is a team that tends to house a lot of the Red Bull junior drivers when they first come into Formula 1. Well, Red Bull kind of scout out and figure out if they're ready for the actual full Red Bull seat that is very very competitive. Now their current drivers are Yuki Tsunoda who is our only Japanese driver and has improved vastly in my opinion in 2023 and their second driver is Daniel Ricciardo who had a very interesting journey in Formula 1, I would definitely look him up if you guys get a chance to. He did sit out for half the season last year when McLaren dropped him from his contract at the end of 2022. But Red Bull gave him a seat in AlphaTauri to get him back on the grid midway through the 2023 season. And then we have the Stake F1 team who have been renamed if you have been watching Formula 1 last year. They were Alfa Romeo, they are now the Stake F1 team. This team is disappearing in two years, so do not be alarmed because Audi are buying them out. And their current drivers are Valtteri Bottas. Now, he was a Mercedes driver for a very long time and also a Williams driver. He is a Grand Prix winner and a phenomenal driver. And then they also have Sho Guan Yu, who is a bit of a younger driver. He's going into, I think, his third or fourth year. I think it's his fourth year in Formula One that doesn't sound right no I think it is his third year and finally we have Haas who are the American team on the grid Haas have had it quite difficult they really want to be a quicker better team but they are struggling to really make the strides they need to to be more competitive their current drivers are Kevin Magnussen and Nico Hülkenberg both drivers that have spent time outside of Formula One before Guntersteiner called them up and ask them to come back into formula one and that basically covers what a grand prix weekend is and who the competitors are in formula one but i'm just going to go over some other questions that you guys might have or that i had when i first started watching f1 so the first one is why do teams perform differently we sometimes have teams that are way way further up the grid they're like 30 seconds ahead if you look at the 2023 season Then we have teams that are really struggling, who aren't getting in the points, who have never been on a podium before. So why does this happen? Well, it's down to two things. Designs and money. Formula 1 isn't a spec series like some other racing series are. So that means that the teams can build whatever design car they want as long as it's within the fia regulations chassis can be designed differently the aerodynamics can be designed differently so that does lead to different designs and it means that some of them work really really well and are really quick and then some of them at the other end of the spectrum and don't do so well now money is also a huge huge factor in formula mm-hmm. one now we do currently have a cost cap so teams can't go above spending a certain amount but that only came in recently and before that The teams were able to spend as much money as they had to design their cars and big teams like Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull could spend millions upon millions upon millions because that was what their companies were bringing in. That's what their sponsorships were bringing in. And then there were teams further back like Haas, like Stake F1 team who were Alfa Romeo, Williams who weren't getting big name sponsors who didn't have that much money and couldn't put that much money into the development of their car. Now, like I said, we do have a cost cap now, and it means that teams can only spend a certain amount on their car each year. And we'll slowly see that helping out and bringing the grid closer. But there are still teams that aren't even able to reach the cost cap. So that does make things a little bit difficult still and then we have the fact that there are two championships in formula one now one is a driver's championship and one is a constructor's championship or you can call it a team championship right so the driver's championship each of the 20 individual drivers will compete for and their points will go towards that championship in the constructors championship or the team championship drivers from the same team will have their points accumulated that the team can fight for a separate trophy so a driver's championship is just every driver fighting with each other the team championships teammates are getting their points added up together to try and help their team out and both are just as important obviously the drivers want to become world champions But the teams also want to be constructors champions, they want to be told they've got the best car and they want to get that prize money and that bonus money for their employees as well. Looking into tyres now and I've got to be honest this was one thing that I did get quite confused about when I first started watching Formula 1. So Pirelli are currently the only tyre suppliers we have in F1. They supply tyres for every single team on every single car for every single race. Now the tyres in Formula 1 aren't necessarily made to last the whole race distance and even if they could like I mentioned earlier drivers would have to change their tyres because they have to use two different compounds or two different tyre types. Now currently these tyres are 18 inches in size and they go through thousands upon thousands of hours of testing with loads of different prototypes made before Pirelli decide on what would be appropriate to put on the track. So they're not just hoping for the best when they do this It does go through a lot of research and development before we see those tires on an f1 car on a race weekend so we have six different types of dry weather tires they go from c0 all the way down to c5 now c0 are our hardest tires and c5 are the softest tires available only three of those tire types will be picked on a race weekend though so for one weekend we might opt to have the c0 c1 and c2 another weekend it might be the C3, the C4 and C5 and it just depends on what Pirelli think is going to be most appropriate for the racetrack and the circuit and what the surface is like on that circuit and when we get those tyres to a race weekend we normally just refer to them as the soft hard and the medium so if we were going to go C0, 1 and 2 the C2 would be the soft tyre, the C1 would be the medium tyre and the C0 is the hard tyre. Now the soft tyres do not last long right but they give the driver a lot more grip, and it doesn't take long to heat up. So this is normally the fastest tyre on a race weekend. This is the tyres that a lot of the drivers will opt to use during qualifying. Now the hard tyres on the other hand can last a pretty long distance, but it can take a little while to warm up And for them to get the grip in it so sometimes you'll see drivers sliding a little bit because the hard tires just don't have the grip in them straight away but you will get better performance out of them over a longer distance and then we have the medium tires which is bang in the middle of both of those tire types so during a race mediums and hard tires tend to be used a lot more compared to soft tires and then soft tires tend to be used in qualifying. And then we have two extra special types of tires and these are the intermediate and the wet tires. Now these tires are basically used when we have wet weather and the track is super super wet with a lot of water on it and we can't really have the drivers out on dry tires. The wet and intermediate tires are basically a way for the drivers to be able to clear water as they're going on track and it's much much safer for them. The intermediate tires are normally used when the track isn't too wet and not too dry and it's sort of in that in the middle stage. And then the wet weather tires are when there is a lot of water on track, when it's raining quite badly as well, and that's when we'll see those come out. Moving on from tires to engine manufacturers. Now, not all teams have the facility or the money to produce their own engine. So when they don't have the facilities, when they don't have that money, what they'll do is buy that engine from another team. So right now on the grid, we have Ferrari, Mercedes, Renault, and the Red Bull powertrains as engine suppliers so they are selling their engines to other people on the grid and I mentioned this with Mercedes even when they went on the grid they were still supplying engines to people right and I think we find with a lot of new teams that are first coming onto the grid when they don't have that facility to make an engine they will end up buying their engines from someone else because it's a much cheaper way to do it than one trying to build the facilities for it finding people and then getting all the technical know-how sometimes it can put you on the back foot for a couple of years and when teams want to be competitive straight away it's easier to go with a known quantity right so like i said we have ferrari mercedes Renault, and the rbpt red bull powertrains ferrari are currently supplying to alfa romeo and haas Renault only supply to alpine that's it there's no one else mercedes are currently supplying to aston martin mclaren and williams and then the red bull powertrain is also going to their sister team alpha towery there is absolutely nothing against the team's supplying engines to other teams it's absolutely fine it's happened for ages and it's a great thing for teams that are really struggling to reach the cost cap who don't have that much money instead of sort of investing in more staff and other facility and all the rest of it r d it's cheaper for them to buy their engine from an engine supplier. And especially, I've got to be honest with you, all of the teams that are buying engines tend to have a really good relationship with the engine supplier. And that just about covers it for my Formula 1 basics right now. But if there are other questions you guys have, if you're curious about other things in Formula 1 that you've heard about and you have no idea what it means, drop me a comment, put it in the comments of my YouTube video, in the Ask box on Spotify, Drop me a message on my social media, Instagram and TikTok at stewards underscore office, and I'll either do a short video about it on my social media, or I will do another one of these sort of videos where I chat about some of the questions you guys have. I'm more than happy to do it. But thank you guys so, so much for listening. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast, whether you're listening to it on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. I really do appreciate it. And I will see you guys the next time you're summoned to the steward's office.